Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite, and special guest today, Brock Heilig, to help us uh, break down everything Michigan Wolverines. He covers Michigan for the or for the Michigan Rivals site. So I uh, appreciate you joining us, Brock. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to finish losing. breaking down this game on Saturday. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, so you guys have had a, a bit of an interesting offseason. Um, this will be your first game with uh, Jim Harbaugh at the helm. Uh, just talk, kind of talk about how the offseason's gone for the Wolverines. It's It's been an interesting one. It, it didn't have very many uh, slow days, that's for sure, from uh, from even, you know, the, <laughs> a few days after the season ended with a whole bunch of people uh, had decisions whether they were going to enter the NFL or, or come back to Michigan. And and then throughout the offseason, obviously, the Harbaugh stuff, uh, there were there were rumors earlier in the off season that he might miss four games, and then they said he wouldn't miss any. And then you know eventually the school settled on the self imposed three game suspension, uh, which obviously is now ended, and he's going to be back on the sidelines this weekend. But yeah, um, you know vibes around the the team are high right now, especially with Harbaugh coming back. We were talking with some of the players the other day, and and defensive end uh, Jalen Harrell, he said that. You know, there's a little more juice in the building now that Harbaugh is going to be back. So, um, yeah, but even going back to to January, like you were talking about, um, there were a lot of guys that could have gone pro. And, you know, offensive linemen, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinter, they both returned and, and a whole slew of guys on the defense, too. And, you know, they all had the same same goal in mind, and that's to come back and, and win the national championship. And, you know, that can't happen until later down the road in December and January. but a good start to the season so far and um you know they're they're taking it one game at a time so it was a four game suspension originally did he see ruckers at that fourth game and kind of was like oh shit i gotta i gotta get back <laughs> you know i don't know maybe maybe oh, he was a little worried about greg shiano's uh team because you know ruckers has given michigan <laughs> a little bit of, of trouble in the past um you know last year in, in the the first half especially it was it was a tight game and even in 2020 mm-hmm. when it went into double overtime, right? So, um, so yeah, maybe maybe that's what he yep. looked at, and, and he's like, oh, I got to be there for that. Yeah, the 2021 game was close, too. I think uh, Michigan beat us 20-13, uh, to 13, and I think that was the closest game you guys played all, all regular season, too. Yeah, I remember um, that one. But you guys have had uh, – yeah, you guys have had uh, – Three straight out of conference games to start the season. This will be the first big uh, Big Ten tilt of the season for Michigan. Talk about how the the out of conference schedule went for you guys. I know that there was a lot of talk about maybe you guys were sleepwalking through the first few games, maybe bored, kind of playing with your food. I've heard people say on Michigan podcasts. Talk a bit about how the first three games have gone. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk within the fan base about you know is playing three three so called cupcake games the right way to go, or do you want to? kind of mix in some some other power five schools. Um, but, you know, obviously Michigan chose to go the path of, of the three cupcake games, which, you know, isn't a 
bad idea because, you know, if you lose, if you play a power five game and lose, then, you know, your season's on the line basically the rest of the season from there on out. Um, so yeah, Michigan, you know, they, they didn't look terribly impressive in any of the three games, but, you know, especially in the first two, they really went out and just got the job done. And then, you know, in the, the third game against Bowling Green this past Saturday, that's where fans really started to, to worry a little bit. And, and, you know, JJ McCarthy didn't have his best game. In fact, it was probably his worst game in a Michigan uniform. He threw three interceptions and just looked a little bit off all night, but yeah, uh, Michigan, you know, did what they had to do. And, and Jim Harbaugh said in his, in his press conference on Monday that, you know, they're getting scrutinized for winning by 25 points against Bowling Green, which, which he said didn't make very much sense. So, um, you know, they're getting the job done. They're winning games, which is all Harbaugh and the team really cares about. I mean, to be fair, what was it? Six, seven, right, right before, right before it was about to be halftime. Then you guys got another touchdown, I think. And then it was like 14, six or something like that. Yeah, it was seven six for a while, um, and Bowling Green actually had the ball seven, with six, a chance to to take the lead. Um, so yeah, it was a little tight there at the end of the first half for sure. Was it like uh, like Mike said before? Was it kind of just sleepwalking in that game, or was it more of like I know JJ got hurt. I don't remember when he got hurt, but uh, I remember reading he was limping at one point. Yeah, that was uh, in the second half, I believe. But you know, if I I don't know if they were really sleepwalking. They didn't have an excuse to be because, you know, it was the first night game of the season and, and Michigan, I don't know if you guys saw, they, mm-hmm. you know, unveiled these new lights and, and, you know, they synchronized it with the music and everything like that. And it was, it was a great atmosphere and, and probably one of the best at the big house in a while. But, um, you know, maybe they came out and thought, you know, it's a night game against Bowling Green who really cares. And, and they just figured we'll go out here and, mm-hmm. and kind of give it 50% and, and walk away with a win. I, I don't know uh, what they were really feeling and thinking heading into that game, but they, they definitely look a little, looked a little disjointed, especially on offense. The defense, you know, kind of carried the team to the win. Um, but, yeah, the offense offense for sure. After Blake Corum, he led the game with a, a 54-yard run, and, and you're kind of sitting there thinking, okay, this is, this is how this game is going to go. But after that, I mean, you know, Michigan, after the first drive, I guess, Michigan had a four-play. 75 yard drive or something like that in the first drive. But after that, it was, it was uh, tough for McCarthy, especially for sure. Yeah. So I mean, part of what would you attribute uh, the, cause obviously three interceptions versus Bowling Green. I know uh, he also fumbled a snap. So he almost lost a fumble as well. And there was another fumble in the game. Like, were those just kind of like simple mistakes or were that, was that just Bowling Green kind of surprising him with a few different coverages? Like what would you attribute the turnovers to? Well, the first one, the first interception he threw, Michigan was driving and he was, it, Michigan was within 10 yards of getting a touchdown and, and Roman Wilson was running this crossing route in the back of the end zone. And, and AJ Barner was, I think he was supposed to run a, a curl route and, and kind of sit right at the goal line. Um, but instead of kind of curling, he sort of drifted and, and Barner took his man, his defender right into Roman Wilson's route. And so McCarthy thought he had Wilson open on the crossing route and the, the defender kind of jumped in front of there. I wouldn't put that one entirely on McCarthy, more, more so on Barner maybe. But the second one that McCarthy threw, uh, he had, he had, he was throwing to Cornelius Johnson on a, a, a deep post and 
he probably saw this after the game. If you look on film, he had Roman Wilson again open on a post for a touchdown uh, if he hit him, but instead he threw it to Cornelius Johnson. To me, it kind of looked like Johnson was supposed to kind of square off the route and cut under the defender. Instead, he cut over, and and so the defender had the opportunity to jump in there and get the pick. And uh, so neither of those two, I, I really don't put a whole lot of blame on McCarthy, but the third one, he was scrambling to his left, and um, he was just trying to make something out of nothing. And instead of throwing it out of bounds with no one open, he kind of forced it. I think he was throwing it to Colston Loveland, and uh, you know a defender got in there and picked it off. That one was on him, and, and he said as much after the game in his press conference. He said, you know, that's on me. I got to take that on the chin. So, you know, yeah, like I said, not his best game. I don't remember the uh, the fumble right off the top of my head right now, but but yeah, you know, it, it wasn't wasn't a great showing for him. Now, uh, I mentioned it before. JJ was limping at one point. Um, I believe you guys on the on Michigan rival site reported that one of the defensive tackles might be out this week. Um, what's what's the latest injury report uh, for the entire team? I guess. Yeah, Michigan's been a little banged up all season. Uh, the secondary, especially with uh, cornerback Will Johnson, safety Rod Moore, and and even safety Makari Page. Page played, I think, in thirty nine snaps on Saturday, which he I don't think anyone was really expecting. I'm pretty sure he was listed as questionable and went out there and played thirty nine snaps. But Will Johnson didn't see any action in games one or three. I believe he played eight snaps. I think in week two and then Rod Moore, the starting safety hasn't seen the field at all. And I don't think we're expecting him to, to be out there anytime soon. Um, but yeah, Mason Graham too is a little banged up on the defensive line. And so you, you got a few pieces here and there that, that aren't quite there for Michigan and on offense, you know, I, McCarthy, like you said, was limping other than that though. I don't think there are any, any key injuries there. He, he said after the game, he was all good. And it was just, I think, his ankle, and, and it was kind of bothering him during the game. But he said everything's fine there. So, yeah, Michigan, a little banged up, uh, but nothing to really be too concerned about. Although, you know, like I said, the secondary, a little, a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're a little shorthanded, I guess, in terms of depth. Keon Sab has a true sophomore, has kind of stepped into that role to fill with Rod Moore being out and, and Keyshawn Harris has stepped up in, in the absence of Will Johnson. I am expecting Makari page to probably play on Saturday. So we'll see how that goes, but I know Rutgers has kind of struggled from what I've heard so far passing the ball. So maybe it'll, it'll bode well for Michigan that, you know, they have a matchup that, that doesn't thrive in, in the passing game as much. Yeah. Rutgers has really, Honestly, Rutgers hasn't really been tested at all. Like, I think Rutgers has either led or I think Rutgers has basically led the entire season, like all three, all three games. Um, and obviously, they're they're big blowouts. Each one of them, or not big blowouts, but they've won by three scores in every game. So they haven't really had the the onus to have to pass. Um, and Rutgers fans should recognize the name Keon Sab. He's originally a South Jersey guy who ended up going to IMG before he went to Michigan. Um, Let's talk about the Michigan offense. So obviously you're led by JJ McCarthy and the dual threat of uh, of Edwards and Corum at running back. Uh, so just kind of talk about the the kind of style of offense you guys run and some of the big playmakers to watch out for. 
Yeah, well, the last two seasons, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have come to realize that Michigan has really relied heavily on the offensive line and the run game, and that's kind of been the identity of the team. And so that's what's carried them to the two Big Ten championships has been the the back-to-back Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines, along with Edwards and Corum, and and even going back to Hassan Haskins back in 2021. But this year, it seems to be a little bit different, especially with the emergence of McCarthy, even though, like I said, he threw three picks on Saturday. He's still shown that he's kind of taken that next step in his development. And so, yeah, the, the passing game has kind of grown, and, and in, in, do, in doing so, the running game has kind of taken a little bit of a step back, which has kind of caused a little bit of concern among the fan base is that the running game isn't looking as dominant as it had been in years past. And so that's kind of, kind of, you know, gotten some fans a little worried. Blake Corum rushed for, I think, 101 yards on Saturday, which was the first 100-yard rusher that Michigan had all season. And 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 Corum is getting back to, to full strength after his injury last year against Illinois. Um, so he's, he's getting there. He, he looked a little bit slower and a little bit um, just unsure about himself in, in the first two weeks. But week three, I thought he took a pretty big step getting back to full strength and full health. And then you look at Donovan Edwards. He, he had a big end of last season as he took over for Corum when, when, when Corum got injured. But the first three games of this year, Edwards really hasn't shown a whole lot. He, he's just kind of running into, into the back of the offensive line and not, not really finding the holes. Maybe it's, it's a, a coincidence that when Edwards is out there, there just are no holes. And when Corum is, there are, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit concerning for Edwards so far. We'll see if he can get it, get it going on Saturday. Now on the outside, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, those are the two guys to look out for, especially Roman Wilson with six touchdowns so far on the year. He had three in the season opener and, and wow. two last two, two weeks ago, and then one last week. So he's had a very good start to the year and Cornelius Johnson too. He's only got one touchdown and it was, it was on a ball this past weekend that probably should have been McCarthy's fourth interception. Uh, but Cornelius Johnson had a wild circus catch. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. It was, it was pretty wild, but, um, but yeah, Cornelius mm-hmm. Johnson, Roman Wilson, those are the two to look out for. And, and maybe a, a sleeper uh, receiver to look out for is Tyler Morris. He, you know, he hasn't done a whole lot so far this year. He was open on Saturday. He had, he had a defender beat by at least five yards and, and McCarthy just overthrew him would have been his first touchdown of the year. But, but yeah, those are some of the, some of the guys on offense to kind of keep an eye out for. Yeah, you guys yeah. have a pretty high concentration of touchdowns of looking here. So Blake Corum has all of Michigan's rushing touchdowns on the season, mm-hmm. and Roman Wilson has six of the seven uh, receiving touchdowns on the season. So pretty wild. Sorry, Rich. Yeah, there, there yeah, was no, – no, uh, I was going to ask you about the, the offensive line. Oh, sorry. No, 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 you're good. You go, you go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say there was a, a medium. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you – Oh geez, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say there's a media member. You go, you go, you uh, go. You're you're good. Okay, there was a media member uh, a few weeks ago that was that was asking uh, Roman Wilson if he was gonna share some of the touchdowns since he was kind of stealing them all from the other receivers. Like like you mentioned, Mike, uh, <laughs> Roman Wilson has has six of the seven receiving touchdowns, and Cornelius Johnson just got his first this past week, and so I thought that was pretty funny. 
Yeah, so, so you mentioned uh, the offensive line, and I know you said it. Um, Shiano even said in his press conference, they're a two-time Joe Moore award winner. What makes them so good as a unit? Is it the coaching? Is it like the recruiting technique? Like, I think it's a little bit of a mixture of everything. Uh, I'd say it's probably not as much so recruiting as it is technique and coaching and and strength. The the whole team is really raved about the strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert. He's really had a huge impact on the program as a whole. Uh, and you've been able to see that over the, see that develop and, and, and flourish over the last few years. And, and he's really helped develop and, and, and grow these offensive linemen. And it's along with the coaching of Sharon Moore, who he was the interim head coach this past weekend, filling in for, for coach Harbaugh. He is normally the offensive line coach when he's not, you know, being the inter- interim head coach, so, yeah, I think it's a mixture of Ben Herbert's strength and conditioning, uh, helping them grow in that area, and then Sharon Moore really, really nailing down the technique. And I think a, a thing that doesn't get talked about enough is that the, the Michigan offensive line is just very experienced. If you look left to right, which they're still kind of figuring out the, the two tackle spots on left and right, but there's, there's not a guy on that line who, who's younger than a senior. They're all either fourth year or fifth year seniors. So, you know, they've had time to really get coached up by Sharon Moore all this time and and grow under Ben Herbert. And so now I think, you know, Michigan fans are finally starting to see that come come to fruition. And they brought in a few transfers too, um, Ladarius Henderson and Miles Hinton on on the on tackles. Um so, you know, they haven't had as much time with with Moore and Herbert as some of the others, but yeah, definitely a very, very strong offensive line. And something I'm looking forward to seeing on Saturday is how they're going to go about figuring out that tackle battle because that's something that was really talked about a lot heading into the season. And and even heading heading here into week four, I, I still don't really think they've figured it out. You're on, you're on mute, Mike. You mentioned before there's been a kind of different amount of buzz now that Harbaugh's back. Do you expect this team to come out and, and play more fired up now that Harbaugh's back? Do you, does he bring that much juice to the, the sideline? Do the guys really want to play for him that much? I think they do. And I think I think we saw in the season opener when when JJ McCarthy came hopping off the team bus and, you know, he was wearing a a free Harbaugh shirt and and some of the other guys from the team were were wearing one too and and uh you know, they, they just missed their coach. McCarthy said so after, after the season opener. He said, I just want my coach back. And, you know, Blake Corum has raved about Jim Harbaugh, and a lot of the guys have really talked about how much he brings. And I do think they're going to come out with a little bit of firepower on Saturday, uh, you know, with him being back. And, and all. Of, I think another thing is all the coaches that, that were interim head coaches will be returning to their normal positions and, and the normal position groups that they coach. And, and I think that'll really help because on Saturday we saw, even though Jay Harbaugh wasn't the interim head coach, he's normally the special teams coach. Michigan had a fumble on a kickoff. They had actually two. They lost one and recovered one, but it was back-to-back kickoffs that Michigan fumbled. Um, Bowling Green had this little pooch kick uh, trick, and so they would kind of pooch it to about the 30 or 35 and have someone other than the designated kick returner catch the ball. and. You know, it caused Michigan to fumble twice. So 
just just the idea that the assistant coaches will all be, you know, at their own designated areas and, and, and Jim will be there and and, you know, seeing everything as it's happening. I think that's really going to have a big impact. So, so now what about this defense? I know Shiano uh, in his press conference on Monday raved about him. He uh, specifically, or more specifically, the defensive line, he, I think he called it arguably the top defensive line in the country. Is you think that's kind of true and accurate? It could be. I, I think we'll have to see a little bit once Michigan starts playing some better opponents uh, and, and you know, better offensive lines and, and just overall better football players, right? And you're not you're not getting a whole lot of that in the non-conference with with what Michigan played, but um, yeah, the defense is looking really really good and and like you mentioned, Richie, especially the the defensive line, Kenneth Grant and Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham, even though he's kind of you know beat up a little bit, they're they're all looking really good on the interior and in the season opener, uh, Kenneth Grant had a had a pressure that that forced the quarterback to throw off his back foot and and throw an interception that Mikey Sainer still was able to to grab. But, you know, just that pressure from the interior, I think, is what's really helping Michigan. And we've seen it a little bit on the edges, too, with with Jalen Harrell, who Jim Harbaugh said is a tone setter. And he he forced an, forced an interception on Saturday, and he forced a fumble. So he's been looking really good. You got Braden McGregor on the other end, along with Derek Moore and Josiah Stewart. So just a really, really solid, really deep defensive line. And, and you know, they haven't really ran up the sack numbers as, as some may have hoped. Like in the, in the season opener, for example, they didn't have any. And I think they had four or so in each of the two past weeks, maybe if, if my memory serves me correctly. But, yeah, um, just a really solid, really deep defensive line. We'll see what they do. With with Mason Graham potentially being out on Saturday, I, I figure they might bring in a guy like Cam Good, who's a, a sixth year player, I believe. He transferred from UCF a few a few years ago. So, yeah, they, I mean they have they have the guys there to to replace if if injuries do happen, like we might see on Saturday. He's still playing. That's kind of yeah. insane. I remember mm-hmm. Cam Good. He, he was Maryland kid, I think, right? Or DC, one of the two, and he just—he was UCF. He was somewhere else, and then he's like, "Damn, I can't believe he's playing still." That's just crazy. <laughs> yep, he's still around. It's—I think he's—I think this might be his third Jeez. year now, second or third year. It's insane. So, what would you say is the the strength of the defense, and what would you say is the weakest link of the defense? I think I might know based on what you kind of already alluded to, but just to <clears> kind of go through what you point to as the biggest strength and the biggest weakness. Well, the biggest strength I think is is the front seven, and like I just talked about with the defensive line, but even expanding further beyond that, at, at linebacker you have Junior Colson, who's a junior, and and he's just been really solid. He's been playing pretty consistently since his freshman season, and along with him you have Michael Barrett who's a sixth-year player. He was actually a quarterback in high school and had never played defense in his life when Michigan was recruiting him, and they, they were recruiting him to, to be a linebacker. And, and, you know, he took the challenge, and now here he is in his sixth year, and he's really flourishing. And you've got Ernest Hausman, a sophomore transfer from Nebraska, who played, played there as a freshman last year. So really, really good. The linebackers – aren't maybe as experienced and as 
as uh, you know old as as the the defensive line maybe even though like I said Michael Barrett's a sixth year player but Hausman just a sophomore and Colson just a junior um, whereas on the defensive line you have a few more seniors with Chris Jenkins, Braden McGregor, and, and Jalen Harrell. So I'd say that's probably the, the the strength. Now, if we're looking just at Saturday, I would say the the secondary is a little bit of a weakness. But overall, for, for Michigan, you know, once once they get their their starters back, it may not be as much of a weakness. But if we're looking just at Saturday, uh, Michigan might have some vulnerabilities back there. Uh, there was a passing play this past Saturday where Josh Wallace got beat bad. He, Josh Wallace is a, a transfer cornerback from UMass, and he's a, he's a fifth-year guy, I think, and he was a two-time captain there. Uh, this is his first year with Michigan, and he got beat bad on a pass. And, and luckily for Michigan, the wide receiver dove for the ball in the end zone and couldn't bring it in. But, you know, there, there's a, a significant – maybe not significant, but there's a noticeable drop-off between a starter like Will Johnson, who's one of the best corners – if if not in the Big Ten, maybe in the country, and and a guy like maybe Josh Wallace or or Keyshawn Harris or or guys like those types. After that, it gets a little sketchy for Michigan because they they have some freshmen that are next up on the depth chart. After that, guys like Jair Hill and DJ Waller. So definitely not as experienced in the defensive backfield for Michigan. And you know, for in terms of the Rutgers game on Saturday, that could be something that the Scarlet Knights could exploit maybe if, if uh, Gavin Wimsack can get going. Now, uh, what, what, what about the special teams? I know um, you guys got a transfer kicker in James Turner. I'm looking at his stats right now. It seems like he struggles with like a 50-plus yardage, which, I mean, most kickers do. But other than him, is there anyone to watch out from the kick return game or punt return game? You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned punt returners uh, because Michigan doesn't seem to, to – have a uh, firm decision made in, in the punt returner aspect of the game. They they started the season with a guy named Jake Thaw, who's listed as a wide receiver on the off, on the uh, team roster. He started the year as the as the you know team's number one punt returner, and and he he kind of struggled a little bit uh, throughout the first couple weeks. He he let a few balls bounce that he probably should have just fair caught, and it kind of gave up some valuable field position and things like that, and so. Then Michigan brought in a, a freshman wide receiver by the name of Carmelo English. He returned a punt. I think it was week one in the second half, or, or maybe it was week two. He returned a punt. He looked pretty solid, but then they've really relied on Tyler Morris, who I mentioned earlier. He's a, a true sophomore receiver. He's looked really, really solid. He had a 24-yard punt return in week two, uh, but it was called back. I think there was a... a running into the kicker penalty or something like that. And then he had another really solid one this past Saturday against Bowling Green. So, you know, they've kind of been alternating from what I've seen. One, like like one punt return, it's Thaw. And then the next time the, the opposing team is punting, it's it's Morris. And then it's back to Thaw, and they just kind of rotate. Um, so I'd say look out for, for, for Morris, maybe more so than Thaw. Uh, we'll see if Michigan – Set you know settles on Morris or or whoever they decide to to choose at punt returner, but yeah, definitely Morris has a little bit more explosiveness than Thaw does in the punt return game. And even going back to to James Turner, like you were talking about, Richie, he's been he's been solid. 
um, you know, Michigan lost Jake Moody uh, to the to the NFL this past offseason, which was a, a real bummer because he was, you know, far and away the best kicker in program history. He he was just unbelievably talented. And so they brought in uh, James Turner from Louisville. And first game of the year, he he missed an extra point, which is something that Moody never did. So I think it kind of caught Michigan fans Jeez. by surprise, like, okay, this is what we're going to have to deal with now that Moody's not here, right? So Turner's kind of settled in a little bit, though. He he's I don't think he's missed a kick since then. He missed a 50-yarder 50, 50 or so in the season opener, but he's been automatic in weeks two and three. So, yeah, that's kind of the, kind of the rundown on, on special teams there. All right, so finish this sentence for me. Michigan wins if Michigan wins if if, Mich- if Michigan wins if JJ McCarthy returns to his old self like he, like he like he was playing in weeks 1 and 2. If he if he has a short memory and and forgets about his bad game this past week and and, and really focuses in on on just you know being himself and and showcasing his talents and and just playing free like like he was in weeks one and two, I I think Michigan's going to win and I think it's going to be tough really for for any team to stop Michigan if McCarthy's playing at the level that he was in in the first two weeks. All right, so we've kind of exhausted everything between you know offense, defense, narratives. Let's get down to predictions. You're the guest, so we'll let you get the first one in. This is a, a, a game that opened up at Rutgers. It was a 31.5-point dog on Sunday, and that got bet down almost immediately. Within like eight hours, it got bet down to 24.5. So how do you see this game playing out? Let's let's get your prediction for the game, Brock. I, I've, got, uh, I've got Michigan winning, and I'll, I'll give a score in a minute, but I think it's funny how quickly the line was was bet down because Michigan hasn't covered in any of of their first three matchups and they were I think 35 plus point favorites in in all of them and they hardly even scored 35 points they didn't score 35 points in two of the three so I think it's I think it's just funny how how high the line opened I didn't know it opened at 31 I I uh I saw it at 26 or something like that which I think is a little more reasonable but yeah, I've got Michigan winning. I've got them 35-13. I just think uh, overall too much talent for, for Rutgers to handle, even though the Scarlet Knights have you know, caused Michigan some problems in the past few years, I think. This Michigan team is just on a mission, and, and you know, I'm a little concerned that Rutgers has struggled to throw the ball, even though they've been ahead. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Rich, you want to go next? Yeah, um, it's tough. It is tough because like they they did they've had their struggles for Michigan. Rutgers has had their struggles too, rightfully so. Um, I know the scores don't really reflect it, but the third quarter in the past two games versus Temple and Virginia Tech were like brutally ugly to the point yeah, where both six, teams six drives, yeah. no scores, all punts. I think we had yeah. one one or two first downs in the third and quarter let, on offense. Thirteen point swing against Virginia Tech at one point, and it's like oh geez, but. I can't see Michigan not winning this one. I, I think like 31 13 is probably about right. And that hits the 44 right there. That's over under. And uh, it, it's, it's weird. It's close, but um, I think Rutgers will probably cover though. And I think that's, 
31-14, what did I say, 31-13? Is that cover? Yeah, you said yeah. 31-13. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I, I think they cover because Rutgers are 3-0 against the spread, so they might just go 4-0 and complete opposite of Michigan. But yeah, 31-13 seems about right because like you said, the pass game is kind of awful. Um, the run game is pretty good though, but is the offensive line going to be able to stop that that Michigan defensive line? That's a terror. So we'll wait and see on Saturday, but I'm going to go 31-13 Michigan. Yeah, I also am having a hard time rationalizing even as a fan, Rutgers winning this game. I think Rutgers will keep it way closer than the line would indicate. I do think this is a game that will be a one-score game for a while. Uh, but I do think that if J.J. McCarthy comes out and plays like he did last week, where he's you know putting the ball in, in harm's way mm-hmm. a lot, I do think Rutgers, because Rutgers wants to get ahead and just grind the game out. These new clock rules have been like a godsend for Greg because he just mm-hmm. want, all he wants to do is, you know, run, 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 maybe do a play-action pass, run some more. <laughs> so if Rutgers can get out to some kind of lead and Chiano can play Chiano ball, I do think this is one Rutgers can stay in for a while. That being said, Rutgers hasn't been in a position where they've had to really throw to win games this year, and they're going to be in that position against Michigan. And I just I don't know if Gavin's ready for that kind of situation. I'm going to go with Michigan 31, Rutgers 14, um, pains me to say, but I don't, I think Rutgers, uh, undefeated season is snapped at, at three, no, and they go into the big house and they lose a game. That's probably closer than the score would indicate, but I think they, they do end up losing by at least two scores. Um, Brock, thanks for coming on. Uh, where can the people find you and your work, uh, both you on social media and, and where you, your work is. Yeah. On social media, I'm, I'm, uh, just at Brock Heilig on, on Twitter or on, X now, as they call it, and I'm with uh, Michigan, Michigan, uh, Michigan's rivals site, Michigan.rivals.com, amazing blue review. So that's that's where you can find me on on X and and on uh, on rivals, all that kind of stuff. So sweet, perfect. Well, thanks once again for joining us. Uh, for those listening at home, this has been another edition of the podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.